Welcome to Lunch Pell Sermons. My messages begin with the assumption that the Bible's teaching is simple. Love God, do good. With that simple message, the Spirit delivers divine haymakers that nudge us toward becoming better followers of Jesus. I hope this sermon helps you in living God's adventure for your life. Our message today is going to be coming to us out of the book of Proverbs. And our title is, say what? That didn't come through in the printed title, by the way. It just says, say what? But hopefully when you saw that, you were like, say what? That's in the Bible? And yeah, that is in the Bible. And so we're going to be looking at um, some Proverbs and looking at the wisdom that they provide. And I uh, specifically picked out some Proverbs that just have a funny way of saying things. What I think is a very interesting way of saying it. And uh, they have a certain wittiness uh, to them. Um, a way that connects with us, even though they were written so long ago, we were like, yeah, we get that. And when we come to um, the book of Proverbs, often we hear this used as a way to support a conclusion that's already been decided. In other words, someone is delivering a message, and they've already decided what their conclusion will be, and then they're like, I need some sort of Bible passage that will kind of say what I've already decided I'm going to say. And the book of Proverbs is an excellent place to go look, because there's Proverbs about all sorts of things. And you can find a proverb that will some way support just about whatever idea that you want. And in this case, this isn't such a very helpful way of using the proverb. Because they're kind of like a little bit of a, a biblical veneer that we put onto our human conclusion. You know, it kind of sounds religious, and it sounds kind of fancy, but in the end, it's just us. Um, when used um, uh, such way, the Proverbs do not inform us. Rather, the Proverbs just affirm us. And we don't come to the Bible to be affirmed as we are. We come to the Bible to be informed as to how God wants us to live. And so as we come and begin looking at the Proverbs today, we're going to start with the Proverbs and see what they have to say for us. And we look at the book of Proverbs, and it helps us understand at the beginning of the book, what is this thing about? And so Proverbs 1, 7 says, tells us this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the book of Proverbs emerges from this idea that wisdom, if we're going to find it, begins with understanding who God is. And there's no wisdom to be found outside of the truths of God. As we come and begin looking at some Proverbs today, that is the shadow that is over us. And so as I come, it's not a matter of saying, hey, picking this proverb out and looking at it and uh, seeing the truth as where, the way that it might influence our life, the way that it might encourage our life. But it is a matter as we see that, that the fear of the Lord, a reverence for God, 
is over all that we talk about today. As such, when we come to the book of Proverbs, it is not a be the best you. This isn't what Proverbs is about. It's not a self-help book. It's not a life coach approach. It's an approach that recognizes that the very best of you, the very best of me, will never be good enough for God. As we come to the book of Proverbs, we realize that God doesn't weigh out our life on a balance of good and bad, hoping that maybe the good might just be a little more than the bad. Rather, we come to this biblical wisdom recognizing we'll never be good enough for God, but we need Jesus Christ. We need Jesus Christ in our life to change our very souls. So today, as we look at these Proverbs, I, I hope you find Jesus. I hope you have Jesus. If you don't, the reality is, is that the things we are talking about today will help you. It will inform the way you live. And the advice that the Proverbs come through, they will make your life better. But ultimately, they won't solve our ultimate problem. Our ultimate problem is only found in Jesus Christ. Our ultimate solution is only found in Jesus Christ. With that said, let's look at some of these Proverbs. And once again, I picked these out because they made me laugh a little bit. So maybe they will make you laugh as well. All right, I'm reading from Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. All right, so there's the image for you. Um, I, I, I envision someone out on the church lawn with, with an assortment of arrows around them. And they would dip their arrow into the fire, flaming arrow, and just start shooting it around. Poof, poof, poof. Is that? <laughs> that's not so helpful, right? Uh, and so that's, that's the person who says, hey, I was only joking. So there's a phrase that we want to take out of our, our personal lexicon. Things that we don't want to say anymore, and I was only joking is one of those. And I have a, a son in middle school, and he's at the good age to learn this I was only joking thing isn't funny anymore. So somewhere between like the age of 10 and now, we want to be like, no more joking. No more, ha, 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 I was only joking. No. No, no one thinks it's funny. Um, and if you still think it's funny, uh, <laughs> I, I assure you, no, no one else does. So let's put, let's put that aside. Next proverb. It's coming from 2426. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. An honest answer like a kiss on the lips. Right? I think what they're saying, that would be a good kiss. And honest answer, likewise, is a good thing. And I say that we want honesty with people. We want people who will tell us the truth. We want people who will give it to us straight. And when I say, you know, we want honesty, we don't want brutal honesty. 
There's not many people in your life that you have space for brutal honesty with. There may be one or two, maybe from your spouse if you got, or maybe just that really good friend, or maybe that sibling that you're incredibly close to. We got a limited number of people in our life that we can accept brutal honesty from, but we can have honesty from everyone. And that is expected as we communicate with one another in this church. We're going to communicate with honesty and with integrity. So I was thinking about um, um, getting uh, my car repaired. And I, I went to this place to get it repaired. And um, the man who owns uh, the repair shop, uh, the gentleman told me, he's like, look, here's the thing. He goes, I could charge you a lot of money and fix this thing, but you just need to sell it. That thing's done. Like, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks for the honesty. Right. Um, the, the same shop came under new management, you know, and I was still a loyal customer because the guy had looked out for me before. And so under new management, I, I, I come in and, and all of a sudden I'm leaving and, and later I find out I've got a broken dipstick. You know, that's the thing that checks your oil. And I knew that they had done the oil. And I'm thinking back, I was like, man, they broke the dipstick. Like, did they, they know they broke the dipstick. And they thought, oh, we'll just close the hood and he'll never know. Right? Well, anyway, I found a new place to get my car repaired, obviously, because honesty is important, as the proverb would say. Honesty is like a kiss on the lips. Next proverb comes 25, 24. Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And wife, we can put spouse in there, right? These things are kind of centered um, husband and wife, but we, we get it. If you're married, the, the proverb would say you're better on the corner of the roof than to live with a quarrelsome spouse. Ain't that the truth, right? Right? Not that I would know. No, no, don't worry. I don't know. But you, you know, you can imagine the people that we live with. Uh, it's home. It's home. And there's something um, should be safe about that word. There should be something comforting about that word. Life is hard enough. And when we enter our homes, we want it to be a place of rest. And certainly we don't want it to be a quarrelsome place. And so, in our own homes, we don't want to fight. And as the proverb would say, you know, you'd be better on living on the corner of the roof than in a house with that. And so, if you're the quarrelsome soul, um, let's try to be the unquarrelsome soul, right? Uh, and in a relationship, in the home, uh, sometimes we just let things go. We just let them go. We continue on. This is coming uh, from Proverbs 6, 27, um, and then going through 29. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Obviously, the answer to both of those is no. You can't put hot coals in your lap and not get burned. So the Proverbs continues. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife, 
No one who touches her will go unpunished. And so the passage there is speaking of unfaithfulness in the marital relationship. And they just say, in this marriage, you're playing with danger. Are you going to take something hot that burns you and put it on your lap and expect that you're going to somehow come out without a burn? No, that's ridiculous. Um, In the same way, um, if you are uh, unfaithful in your marriage, it will cause harm. And it is ridiculous to think that unfaithfulness will not lead to harm within your marriage. And so I was looking at um, uh, some statistics on um, unfaithfulness uh, in marriage. And so uh, in their 30s, um, men and women were uh, is about 10%, about 1 in 10 of men and women, married, married men and women in their 30s had committed adultery. And the numbers actually begin to increase as the age goes up. So as we move to the 50s and 60s, so in that range, about one in six, for women, about one in six had been unfaithful. And for men, one in four. And so we see that unfaithfulness actually begins to increase through middle age. And in fact, in the 70s, it goes down a little bit for for women, but in the 70s, men, unfaithfulness even increases a little bit more. And so sometimes we come to this idea of unfaithfulness in marriage, and we think it's something for younger people, and certainly there's some of that. But the reality is, is that the worst years for it is kind of those middle, middle age years, 50s, 60s, kind of that you know, late working career, early retirement ages. And when it comes to adultery, you cannot unring that bell. It leads to lasting damage. And whatever pleasure comes from that, it will cost you a hundredfold in damage to your marital relationship. And people think, oh, but the other person doesn't know. They always know. They know something's up. They always know. And there's damage there. And then there's damage on the person um, who does it through the guilt that they have. Sometimes people have this uh, idea that having an affair will improve our marriage. Our marriage will be better. To me, that thinking is is about as smart as thinking, you know what? I want to save on shampoo. That shampoo cost is just going crazy. I'm going to save on shampoo. And my plan for saving on shampoo is personal decapitation. Just think how much money I'd be able to, to save on shampoo. It's, it, so thinking that an affair is going to make your relationship better is about, to me, as smart as that. And, you know, it, it's not. It is not. And affairs, where do they start? Where does unfaithfulness start? Almost always starts in the same place, and that's in work. And so uh, the reality is, is that working alongside people is one of the greatest ways to build relationships. And so that could be in a workplace. That could be in a community project that you are assisting on. 
different ways that we work with one another that doesn't involve just a job where you're punching your time card and end of the day you're going home. Um, so it's alongside that aspect of work. There's really almost no greater way to build relationship than to work with people. And so in that process, um, there's a connection and an affinity uh, that begins to, to emerge. Hey, you know, you've been married a while, and, you, and, we, and we know marriages have, the, they, they have their ebbs and flows. And, you know, all, all of a sudden there's that person that makes you tingle a little bit. There's that person that makes you think, ah, you know, a little extra perfume, a little extra cologne this morning. And when you do that, there's caution. Caution. And uh, you want to get yourself um, in, a, in a place where that is not going to happen. And when we think, why do these start? Why, why do um, affairs start? Um, and it's the same reason that people turn on God. It's either they think they deserve something that they're not receiving, or they think they've been given something they don't deserve. And in the midst of that bitterness, that becomes the fuel for the breaking of the relationship. And as the proverb says, right, if you're going to scoop fire on your lap, you will get burned. If you're going to be unfaithful, it will burn. Next proverb is Proverbs comes 2617. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own. Who's going to go grab a stray dog by the ears? I kind of imagine that. Like, do you ever see a stray dog? Like, do you ever see a dog just kind of wandering around? You know, and, you know, even if they look like a jolly dog, I'm still a little leery until I see the owner. You just never know, right? And you, you can imagine that. I don't imagine, you know, these are these cute, cuddly dogs that are roaming around. And so there you go. There's some dog. It looks like it could kind of bite you if it wanted to. Roaming around, and you think, hmm, let's go pull it by the ears. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. No, no, no. In the same way, don't get into a quarrel that isn't yours. And, you know, I think, isn't that like one of the first lessons you learn as a child? When mom and dad are fighting... You, you go and you get away. Uh, that's, like, that's like one of those like basic instinct, like survival moments you learn as a child. You know, mom and dad sometimes get upset. They love each other, but they get upset. And, you know, this is a good time for me to just disappear. Um, let's keep that wisdom going into our life as well. Um, stay out of quarrels that are not for you to be a part of. And as we think of um, the, the work of police officers, um, and what is considered their most dangerous situation to enter into. You know, we can imagine police officers, all the type of things that um, they would see and be around, and, you know, they're the people you call when you get scared and you don't want to go do anything. You call the police, right? These are the people you call when, you're, when you are um, immobilized by fear. Their most dangerous situation is a domestic dispute because they are going into a quarrel that is not their own. And um, the big concern uh, for uh, officers in that case is you have these two fighting people. 
Police officer shows up, you know what they start doing? They turn, both turn on them, right? They've solved the quarrel um, by becoming the um, recipient of the anger of both people. Next, Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. You dig a pit, you will fall into it. In life, I call this the boomerang effect. The boomerang effect is like you have this master plan, something irritates you, you're going to do something about it. So you send out some sort of solution. And somehow that solution always seems to like circle back around and whack you in the head. That's what the Bible would say. If you dig a pit, you're going to fall into it. Where I think about this is, um, particularly when we think about either creating or enforcing rules. And so maybe in your workplace, maybe where you live, there's different rules that have to be followed. And you know how rules are in these type of situations. Um, and we think of even like in our own communities, there's things that maybe we should be doing, you know, that's officially on the books, but everyone just kind of, ah, you know, and, and so all of a sudden we're like, hey, this is this thing and we all agree to it. And we need to make sure that we're all doing that. Of course, the moment you do that, somehow, you're going to be the one who gets the worst. You know, I, I was thinking, here, here's, here's a life situation. Here's how it works. You know, people driving just a little fast through the neighborhood. And, and you know, and you're, you're looking at the, the speed limit sign and you point into it, you know, and you're pretty sure they're three or four miles over. I, I, I got you angry a little bit. So you, you, you call, you call your, your local um, police station. Hey, we got people driving crazy in my neighborhood. You keep calling. And finally, they send out some enforcement. And who's the first person that's going to get a ticket when the police arrive? It's going to be you. It's going to be you. You're like, I was only two miles. Yeah. It's the boomerang effect of life. So be cautious for trying to get people. Uh, usually we end up getting ourselves as well. Next proverb we're looking at is, comes from 26.6. Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. <laughs> cutting off your own feet. That seems unlikely. Drinking poison. Give me the poison. I'll say, yeah, no. That is the equivalent of sending a message by a fool. In other words, do not rely upon fools. And as I think, like, where do we see this in life? What comes to my mind is buying a discount. You know, there's that, hey, there's that guy you know. There's the guy that so-and-so that so-and-so knows. And hey, they can do the work for half the prices everyone else. Well, it's probably a reason why they were half the price of everyone else. You know, but you think, oh, I'm, it's, it's all going to work out. And you find yourself relying upon a fool. And if you rely upon a fool, you're going to get what you expect from that. When it is not going to turn out well. All right, perhaps one of my favorite Proverbs, 
1728. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning they hold their tongues. Catch that? So even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. In other words, you can be a fool. You can be completely unknowing. But if you can just remain silent, you don't let anyone know. I'm not an idiot, right? Because I haven't said anything that showed that I was. <laughs> of course, the point of this Proverbs is, is be careful with what you say. Be careful with what you say. And have you ever said something you regret? Of course you have. We all have said things that we regret. One of the things I keep in mind is that the moment I open my mouth, there's a decent chance something ridiculous is going to come out. That's just straight up possibility. And, you know, that might be the same for you. I'm not going to make a judgment for anyone else, but that might be the same for you. And I keep that in mind when, when I'm talking. I try to ensure, you know, I can be a fool. But if I just keep my mouth closed, no one knows. No one knows. We all know that person that once he or she starts talking, we stop listening. Because they're not saying anything helpful. We just tune them out. Hit the mute button. Got those sound canceling headphones. You know, we're like, just leave. I can't hear you. I can't. We don't want to be that person. We don't want to be that person that people stop listening to. Next proverb, 23, verses 4 and 5. And uh, this will be our final one. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For sure, they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Once again, it's saying that your riches, they're going to sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So the proverb is, don't, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. And for people who aren't happy with their financial situation. So if I was to say, hey, are you happy with your financial situation? Yes or no? You know, and so if you say no, I know the answer to how much will make you happy. The answer is a little bit more than whatever you have. It's always just a little bit more. And, you know, I'm looking around and I see some people who, who've lived life a little bit. And there was probably a point in your life you thought, if you have as much money as you have now, then you wouldn't worry anymore. And now you have that much, and you still worry. You're still concerned. And what do we know about wealth? Is it indeed will fly away from us. It will grow wings and fly away. And haven't we all experienced that moment where we look at our bank account and we're like, oh, yeah, I've been saving, working hard, and, and we, we feel that little smugness. We're like, yeah, going to be a good vacation this year. And, of course, what happens the moment you say that? 
repairs. This needs to get repaired. That just broke. Medical expenses. And all of a sudden, you're writing checks that are in the four and five figure kind of range. You're like, woof. Just flies away, doesn't it? And if you can't be happy with whatever you have now, you won't be happy with having a little bit more. And with our, our money, with our wealth, we trust God. We trust that God will provide what we need. And you will never have enough to make you feel secure. You, it'll, it'll, never, it'll never match. Um, and in the end, God will take care of you. God will provide for you. So the proverb would say, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. It's really not going to help you. It will not help. As we close out uh, this message on Proverbs, uh, just a reflection upon uh, Jesus. And in Jesus' uh, most well-known teaching, which is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes the law, the Old Testament law that had come down from Moses, and he looks at that law and he says, you know, it's not just a set of rules to follow, but it's a code to live by. Jesus comes and makes this law not just something you do, but he adds wisdom to it in a way that will allow us to love God in a way that just following rules never will. And in the Sermon on the Mount is where we find Jesus with these teachings that are just hard to fathom. Jesus says, love your enemies. Jesus says, hey, if someone asks for a little bit, and then they ask more, you just keep giving. Jesus says, if someone hits you on your cheek, let them hit you on the other cheek. Jesus, this radical way of living and trusting in God, of both loving our neighbors and loving God. He closes out the Sermon on the Mount with this illustration about the wise and foolish builders. And as we come to this idea of biblical wisdom, which we've seen in, in Proverbs, if you try to live out the wisdom that we were just talking about, without following Jesus Christ, as in the story of Jesus, you are the foolish builder. Here's what Jesus says about people hearing his message and recognize this is you if you try to be wise without Jesus. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You can build the house, but it won't survive the storm. Conversely, wisdom with Jesus, it's like this. This is Jesus speaking again. Therefore, one, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And for your life, is your foundation on the rock? Or is your life built on sand? The rock, of course, is Jesus Christ. And our faith in God through Jesus Christ will allow us to withstand the storms. We can all strive for the wisdom that we see in the book of Proverbs. We can all make our life better by putting into the practice of Proverbs. But without Jesus, it's just a house built on sand. It will eventually collapse. Let me pray for us this morning. Thanks for listening to Lunch Pell Sermons. Now it's time to put these words into action and go live our adventure. Let's love God and do good.